I think I want to take another minute for self-love. And I'm so happy you're here to join me for this. Uh, We're still in February. You know, whenever you're listening to this is whenever you're listening, but I am still in February and you might be as well. And, you know, we passed, we passed that special day for love, the Valentine's day. And I honestly, um, I was just laughing because I was scrolling and I love content creation when it just comes together and it works. And I was just dying laughing at, uh, some, some reels, some TikToks, things that I was, um, consuming and, I mean, who doesn't love the Holderness family? They are hilarious. I love their approach to sort of like improv with content creation and, and you know, on the fly with, you know, the, these ideas that they come together with, but they were like, uh, I forget, I forget their names. Anyway, the husband is Im- improvising and he is impersonating his wife and he is just saying, no, no, don't get me anything for Valentine's Day. Don't waste your money on flowers. They're so expensive. Don't get me a car. Just make me something, write me something from the heart, you know, all the things, right? And then of course, you know, the wife is, is upset when Valentine's day rolls around and, uh, you know, nothing has been done except for like a handmade note on printer paper and just the reactions are hilarious. But I think what made it so funny for me and maybe for if you've seen it or similar things is like. I have done that. That has been me. And so I feel like a lot of this conversation happens around these built up expectations. And, you know, this has to do with your significant other, your spouse, your partner. But I mean, in in many ways, we can sort of put these expectations on sometimes coworkers or our work environment um, or our colleagues, our children, friends, you know, family, the list goes on. And I just thought, you know where it all starts and ends? It is with ourselves. And that is why I just wanted to spend a little more time on this thing about self-love. And I want to tie it into self-esteem because I don't know that we really talk about self-esteem very much as adults. And so that uh, that's what we're going to explore today. So I want to talk about that I'm going to dive into, um, you know, just some interesting findings. I want to talk a little bit about the um, the work of Louise Hayes, who is, you know, just this beautiful pioneer when it comes to self-help and personal development. And I'm going to share, um, you know, some of my own experiences and some insights on how we can go about building tools for our self-love and um, self-acceptance and and building our confidence, building our self-esteem, which are two different things, by the way, so that we can end that sort of cycle of maybe people-pleasing and the cycle of putting our expectations on others and really tap into true and pure happiness from the place of love and the beingness of love. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. Welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. I'm your host, Andreana Gonko. A few years ago, burnout nearly cost me that happy, fulfilled life that I'd always dreamed of. Every day left me feeling overwhelmed with stress at work, at home, and just with life in general. I felt like I was constantly running and couldn't catch my breath. So I embarked on a journey of finding better balance, of learning how to prioritize my own needs, of shifting my mindset to live with more ease and balance, 
of learning how to do more without the pressure of doing it all. And I discovered that letting go of the need for a perfect life opened up opportunities to bring in more joy. So I am sharing my experience and my learnings with you so that you don't have to struggle. I wanna show by example how liberating and empowering it can be to silence expectations, to learn how to live through the chaos of work and family with grace, joy, and ease. So what do you think? Are you with me? Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm happy, so happy that you're here. And as I was mentioning earlier, you know, I was doing some scrolling around Valentine's Day and laughing at some of the funny parodies of sort of the husband-wife relationship and and looking at some of the funny things that, um, you know, the observations of sometimes the, the female partner getting her hopes up and maybe um, not seeing what she wants or needs, but then the expectations or the you know, the, the secret expectations perhaps are, are not met and, uh, that can cause some, some conflict or some challenge within relationships. And while funny in a real, it's not always a ha ha moment when it comes to real life situations. And I am the first to admit that I would build up occasions like Valentine's day. My birthday was a big one, you know, anniversaries, just build it up in my mind. And I would have these expectations. I don't, I actually don't know that I even had specific things that I particularly wanted, like, you know, a specific gift or, you know, dinner at a place or whatever. Like I just had this expectation of like the feelings that these days were going to make me happier and feel more love and bring me to a better place and make me feel all the things that maybe I was already lacking in my life on the day-to-day basis. So I would just, you know, put these days on a pedestal and and really want them to make up for any sort of lack or any sort of uh, anything that was missing in my life. And of course, I mean, like Jesus, my poor husband, but this would not work. Um, and just the tiniest little things would set me off and I would start fights or there'd be big to do's and, you know, it would leave him sort of grasping at straws and not sure what to do. And, and it wasn't really a great place. And I can see that I've maybe done this in other areas as well, perhaps not in, you know, such a dramatic fashion, but, you know, in, in the workplace, you know, if having expectations for how I, I wanted things to go and if they didn't go according to what I thought, then maybe I would, you know, I would sort of, I can't even quite describe it, but I would, I would, um, I would make things go bad in other areas because they weren't going as I expected them to in other places. And, and I'm not sure if that even makes sense or not, but, um, a good thing that, uh, I read in, in a book by Gay Hendricks was talking about the upper limit problem. And, I can see how I was doing this a lot. And I, I would definitely recommend the book, The Big Leap uh, that he wrote. But essentially, you know, not being available for good things to happen, for everything to go well, for things to just get better in your life. And from a conscious perspective, saying like, of course, I want things to get better. Of course, I want my my marriage to be 
you know, loving and respectful and, and open and full of communication. Of course, I want to have great relationships with my colleagues, my coworkers. I, of course, I want everything to just go really, really well in all areas of my life. I want full abundance, lots of success, tons of love. And what is interesting is that we all have this sort of gauge, this thermostat where we're available to receive up to a certain point. But as soon as we reach that point, we're not available to get to have more. We're not available for things to get better past that point. And so subconsciously, we will trip up. We will get sick. We will you know, start a fight. We will cause things around us to go badly because deep down, we are not available to receive more than whatever that thermostat gauge is at. And um, this is a really great conversation when it comes to self-love, because if we don't have the tools to love ourselves unconditionally, to be with ourselves, regardless of what is happening in the, the environment around us, to accept ourselves for who we truly are, then we're going to keep butting up against that edge and we're going to continue to cause things to turn or go awry or, or you know hit that downward spiral once we've reached that point. Um, so for me, for myself, um, there was a, you know a big turning point as I learned to really s- just tap into myself and love me for who I am put myself first, prioritize myself. So when I started doing that in in small ways, in, in making myself a priority and putting myself first, all of those sort of secret expectations disappeared slowly. You know, it wasn't like a, a, a an obvious shift where all of a sudden one day none of that was there, but slowly but sh- and surely those those expectations disappeared in, in areas that I would usually be triggered or get angry or feel resentment. I felt really neutral or I was I was fine with it, you know? And so that's what I wanted to 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 really tap into today because I think that a lot of times we in the moment don't have the tools or the awareness to be able to think back to, oh, you know what, this is an issue with myself. And it's not that person who is, you know, doing something to me. And it's not that person's fault that my reaction is like this. The reason why I am having this negative reaction is because I am not in a place within myself that I am happy enough, can feel enough love, am accepting of it, am judgment-free, so I am having this this reaction. And it starts and ends with you. And I, I hate to even say it because it can sound jarring. And the first time I heard it was, you know, like when you have judgments about others, when you are angry over something, oftentimes the root of that judgment, the root of that anger is because of something that is unmet within you. It is a judgment that you hold of yourself. It is something that you haven't settled within. And so it's important that we look inwards when these things, you know, inevitably pop up so that we can, you know, look at it through a new lens. And so that's why I'm so happy that you're here because 
I think, you know, I, we talk about self-love and it can get this sort of bad rap, you know, and it can sound all, you know, woo woo. And I, I, you know, use the term self-care a lot. And sometimes they can be used interchangeably in caring for yourself and loving for yourself and doing things for yourself to show you that you matter, to ensure that you are in a place in a space that, that means that you are feeling one with yourself that further allows you to be the best version of you and, and, you know, be the best version of yourself for those around you. But when we talk about it as like, you know, self-care and, you know, take that bubble bath and, you know, if there's time at the end of the day, maybe you can, you know, um, you know, grab that bath bomb and treat yourself. And it, it seems self-indulgent and it seems somewhat insignificant. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. You know, maybe on Sunday, I'll do a self-care Sunday routine and I'll, I'll, I'll grab a face mask. And, you know, if I, if I am not completely exhausted at the end of the day and fall asleep while laying with my kids, then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, paint my nails or something. And the, the thing that I, I just, why I keep talking about self-love, why I keep sharing about self-care and the things that I do for myself, the little things like going for a walk or, you know, reading before bed instead of watching TV, the things that I'm doing, I'm sharing is to hopefully instill within you, instill within others that these things matter, these things count. And while it might seem insignificant in the moment, it truly, truly matters. So I I want to talk a little bit about self-love and how it ties into self-esteem. And this is not an episode on, you know, your inner child and doing inner child work, but your self-esteem has been created from a young age. And so I, I wanted to read a few things from uh, a parenting guide. And this was given to me from uh, a counselor uh, and who, who I work with for, with my children. And um, I feel like learning about ourselves helps us in being better parents. And this didn't come from that type of a situation, but I thought it was really interesting. And it got me thinking about self-love and how it really just is tied into self-esteem. And then of course, how self-esteem is tied into confidence. Um, but I, I just wanted to read a few things um, that hopefully will, something will resonate with you. Something will stay with you to allow you to see how important it is so you can take those steps. And if you are doing things daily, if you are, you know, um, putting yourself first in, in many places and in, in, in different cases, I am, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy to, to hear it and to know it. And I know that, you know, we all have room for improvement. And as I continue my journey, I only hope to learn more so that I can share with you. So we look to healthy self-esteem as feeling good about yourself. And of course, feeling like you are a worthwhile person. Um, self-esteem is about accepting and valuing who you are. And while we all doubt ourselves at times, it is important for children to feel okay about themselves most of the time. Okay, so this is how it ties into the kids. So we look to healthy self-esteem as building a foundation for good mental health now and into the future. So thinking about this, maybe from the perspective as a, a mother or a caretaker, I mean, you can think about this for you. 
how your self-esteem was built up or perhaps brought down as a child. And there are many different places and spaces where this happens. It's not just your parents or your, your family. This can happen through the media. This can happen through peers, your school environment, all sorts of different areas. Um, so thinking to your childhood and the experiences that you had, and then also, you know, mirroring this for, you know, as a parent looking to your children or as, you know, an an aunt or an uncle, or, um, you know, just, um, if you're around children, um, allowing the feeling of being okay, of feeling worthwhile, of feeling like you are valuable and important, regardless of the situation you're in is really pivotal. And, um, our self-esteem, while it's not our confidence, they are definitely related. And so self-esteem um, self-esteem is different from confidence. So self-confidence comes from how we feel about our ability to do things, you know, so I'm a really good cook. I'm a, you know, talking about my kids. I'm a, I'm a really good hockey player or, or something like that. So our confidence comes from our abilities, our ability to do things, uh, you know, at a certain level. And we can feel confident in some areas while not as confident in others. This comes up in school a lot. Um, you know, report cards just came home. You know, while, you know, a student might be really, really um, proficient in, you know, say math, not as much in language. And so the confidence can be built up in certain areas while not in other areas. Um, so when, as children, when we are good at something, our self-confidence grows and then within that, our inner self is our inner self-esteem typically will grow as well. So this is having that healthy self-esteem helps us to be more confident, um, which is a really interesting and important distinction, I feel. And as we continue, I mean, gosh, like I, I know that you you probably realize that self-esteem is important, but I, I feel like it doesn't get enough emphasis placed on it, especially at a young age, because we think, oh, like they're just kids, you know, or maybe your your family or your teachers, you know, they'll grow out of it or, you know, it's just a phase or they're shy or they're not, you know, they, they don't like to do X, Y, or Z and that's okay. But um, as we grow into these adult people that we are, it stays with us. And I have, I have limiting beliefs from, you know, gosh, stems back from probably high school about not being good with finances because I didn't like math in high school. And I can tell you that starting high school, grade nine and 10, I was in enriched math. So that was like the highest level, you know, you could go and I was in advanced and then my teachers pushed me even further into an enriched math program. And then all of a sudden I um, had, unfortunately, a bad teacher a couple of years in a row who, you know, didn't, didn't um, jive with my learning style. And I didn't care for math from that point onward. And it stuck with me to the point where as an adult, I just figured that since I didn't like math, that meant I wasn't good in math. And because I didn't like math, that meant I shouldn't take any interest or place any attention or focus on finances and, you know, 
of course we know that's probably not great um, from an adult perspective, especially because so much are tied back. So much is tied back to that. Um, thankfully, I was able to recognize that belief and, you know, moving past it, but a healthy self-esteem is so important for everyone um, because it helps us to, to make it easier to try new things, to go past those limiting beliefs, to develop new skills to actually make a difference, to go for that raise, to, you know, say yes to the things we want to, to actually tell people what it is that we want, you know, so we're not hoping um, that our husband or our spouse does something for us for Valentine's Day, only to be stewing and completely resentful and just angry and upset when that doesn't happen only because we didn't have the 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 ability to ask for what we actually wanted. Um, self-esteem is so important for resiliency. Inevitably in life, there will be setbacks. And those who have a higher self-esteem are able to keep going, keep pushing and keep trying. You know, failure isn't an option because those with a higher self-esteem know that they will eventually reach whatever that destination is and, and, and get to those goals. Um, and of course, a healthy self-esteem supports better mental and physical health and just that overall well-being. So I don't know. I mean, is self-esteem important? I, I think, are you, are you with me here? Is self-love important? I think so. Right. So, um, I'm just going to be, I'm flipping through, I'm flipping through, um, flipping through these pages. Cause I just wanted to share one more thing. Um, and this is tied back to parenting, but I want you to think of it from both perspectives because this is called parent self-esteem. And this part within this pamphlet says that it's important to look after your own self-esteem too. So it is telling parents, it is telling caregivers, adults that it is important to to tap into areas that help your self-esteem so letting your children see you feeling good about yourself learning new skills and improving with practice showing them that you know you can try new things too and that you can learn as well um, to model optimistic and positive thinking to avoid negative self-talk such as complaining about your body, complaining about how you look. And especially, you know, if you have daughters or if you have female, um, you know, figures in your life who look up to you. Um, and this is in, this is in the point forms here, my friend, take time out for yourself and do things you enjoy. Join a team, go for a walk, read a book. Um, and then finally spend time with supportive friends who help you feel good if you have a partner, make time to spend together. Oh, well, you know what? If this if this self-esteem parent guide pamphlet is telling you to, to uh, delve into self-care, to not only improve your own self-esteem, but also to help that of your children. I mean, I feel like this is just a win all around. Um, and so if you're feeling like maybe you've put yourself on the back burner a little bit, or you, you know, have great intentions, but, um, never quite seem to get there. I hope this is giving you that extra little push. Um, the final thing that I just wanted to share are maybe some tools, some exercises, some strategies that we can incorporate in our lives as we tap into loving ourselves more, um, building our, our self-esteem continually building our self-esteem and, um, incorporating self-love on a daily basis. And this, 
is where we come to the OG self-help queen, Dandada herself, Louise L. Hayes. And um, I mean, you know, she has so many books and so many different um, resources that you can reach out to. And so these are just some of the things that she recommends that now are of course, recommended through various different, you know, coaching platforms and self-help platforms. Um, but I would like to just read from from her um, work directly, because I mean, why not start from one of the one of the originators uh, who has helped so so many people? Now there are a number of different tools that she recommends. One of them is mirror work, and. Um, Some of these will resonate with you. Some of these are going to be like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Some of them you might be curious. I invite you to try them all. Like, why not? You know, and even if it feels weird at first or awkward at first, um, like looking at yourself in the mirror can feel awkward or strange. I mean, of course we do it all the time from, you know, brushing our teeth and washing our face to putting on makeup or, you know, getting ourselves ready for the day. But this is a little bit different. So I invite you to, Come to these tools with an openness and um and look at it in a in in this way of from the parenting self-esteem guidebook, you know, what are you hoping to achieve for yourself to maybe better yourself and then your family as well? So mirror work is one tool that is recommended. And uh, when it comes to mirrors, they reflect the feelings we have about ourselves. And they show us the areas that need to be changed if we want this this better life, this more fulfilling life. Um, And so this comes from Louise Hayes. She says that she asks people to look into their own eyes and say something positive about themselves every time they pass a mirror. And especially for women who have been ingrained in so many different areas from, you know, media and society and perhaps even, you know, watching our own mothers or, you know, people in our lives speak negatively about themselves or just have a negative comment at, you know, every turn instead of looking for the positive, this is your chance to change that. The most powerful way to do affirmations is to look in the mirror and say them out loud. So we've had podcasts on affirmations, on speaking your truths. And you can go back to those. If you have a list of affirmations that you are currently writing out or speaking out, I invite you to go to them. And if you don't, I want you to go back to the episode on creating your 2023 persona about creating the person that you want to be in the most perfect ideal circumstances and situations, who would you be if there was no resistance, if there was no upper limit, if there was um, nothing holding you back, who is that person? And I want you to write down who that is. And when we talk about mirror work, I want you to read that out in front of the mirror. And so the cool thing about this is that you are more aware of where you have resistance when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. So you might say something um, like, I am kind, and you might look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am kind, and just see your eyes twinkling and shining right back at you. And then you might say something like, I am beautiful, or my body is perfect the way it is. And then you might see some resistance. 
Um, you might see, you know, your smile fade, or you might see yourself, you know, shy away and not even want to look at yourself or your, your voice might change. And so you can really sense and see that where you're holding resistance a lot faster when it comes to doing mirror work. Um, but the good thing about that is you can move through it quicker instead of, um, holding that resistance, the more you say it, the more truth comes from it. And the more you can remove those, those negative feelings. So sometimes you can, you know, if it's not like standing in front of a mirror, doesn't feel comfortable. You could perhaps get a hand mirror. If you're in a comfortable place, grab that hand mirror. And, um, you know, as you're journaling or writing out those list of affirmations, you can quickly grab that mirror. Um, you can do this in a phone too, like on selfie mode in your camera works the same as well. So don't feel like you have to have all these props and special tools. We can do this with whatever we've got. So that would be tool number one. Um, and of course that comes from Louise Hayes tool number two. And this is one that we talk about often. This is something that I believe really strongly in. Uh, this was something that I incorporated in my last workshop and I received a lot of positive feedback. And this, this tool is visualization. Um, I spoke to hypnotherapist and elite mindset coach, uh, Kelly Maisi, uh, earlier this year on upgrading yourself talk. That was a great episode. It really does tie into self-love as well. And, um, she has helped me with visualization immensely through her hypnotherapy. Um, but visualization, if you're not familiar, is the process of using your imagination, tapping into, this, this other sense that's not, you know, your taste, your smell, your sight. Uh, what are the five senses? I can't, I can't even think of them, but it's not one of those. Using your imagination to achieve a desired result. Uh, so you can see what you want that result to be, what that goal is, what that destination is. Um, and, and just really simply, when you visualize, you can see what you want to happen, right? You can visualize, you can create that scenario before you actually step into it, before it actually occurs. Uh, so here again is from Louise Hayes. This is an example that she's provided. So if what you want is a new place to live, picture a house or an apartment that you want, be as specific as possible, then see it as if it were already true. Affirm that you deserve it. See your new house with you in it, going about your daily routine. Imagine as clearly as you can, knowing that there is no wrong way to visualize. You can practice this frequently and you can just um, ask of whatever you call the universe, the universal mind, God, um, source, wh whatever that is to you, um, asking for your guy, uh, highest good and combining this with your positive affirmations, combining this with your truth statements, uh, the mirror work that you're going to do, visualization can be an extremely, extremely powerful tool. And I can attest to this. I can speak to this uh, to no end. Um, I've done this and I spoke on another episode about having an incredible trip. Uh, when my husband and I went to Europe last summer, uh, no kids were there. Um, and I can, I, you know, I mean, there's so many places and spaces, but I mean, it's something that I actually do every day when I wake up, I do a short uh, guided visualization and it really just helps me to set the tone for my day. And, um, 
one of the things that has helped me is by setting a feeling how I want to feel for the day. And I don't try to um, determine what that's going to be in advance. I just allow for that to, to come to me in the moment of how I want to feel. And then just visualizing how that's going to to look. What is that feeling going to look like for the day? And so there's so many ways you can do this from visualizing you receiving that, you know, accomplishment, you know, reaching your goal, um, doing what it is, you know, getting, you know, that that raise or, you know, starting that new business, um, perhaps having that new baby, um, you know, being in that loving relationship, there are so many ways that you can do this. Uh, so visualization, get honor, get honor. And um, I, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Maybe I'll do this. I th- I might release uh, a free vis- visualization. Remind me about that. If you send me a DM on Instagram or an email, and there's links in the podcast notes for this episode, I will send you the visualization that I used in my workshop um, that was in the fall, totally free. Let's do that. I would love to share that with you. Let's do that. So send me a DM or send me an email and uh, I will send that over to you. The third tool that we are going to look at, the final tool that we're going to look at is something that we call, that not me, uh, Louise Hayes calls deservability. Okay. And deservability also can tap into, uh, you know, work from, work from Abraham Hicks. Also the author that I was just speaking about, uh, Gay Hendricks, as he refers to it as the upper limit. But sometimes we refuse to put any effort into creating a good life for ourselves because we believe deep down that we do not deserve it. So we don't think that we are good enough and we don't think that we can have what it is that we truly desire. And this can not always, but this can come from our early childhood experiences. So, you know, like things that we are not even fully aware or conscious of, like uh, the example in this book is potty training. So perhaps we were told that we could not have what we wanted if we did not eat all of our food when we were a kid at the table. We couldn't get that thing if we didn't clean our room or we didn't or put our toys away. Um, we could be buying into another person's concept or opinion that has absolutely nothing to do with our own reality. And I think, um, you know, some light bulbs are going off for me too, because sometimes um, we look to sort of that reward or if then treatment with our children. Um, and, you know, all the great parenting teachers and coaches out there are going to tell you, don't do that. But sometimes we just do that because it's the easiest thing to do to get your kid to get dressed in the morning so they can have five minutes of iPad time. So anywho, we want to feel worthy. We want to feel deserving. Okay. So I'm quoting here, deserving has nothing to do with having good. It is our willingness to accept that it gets in the way. So allow yourself to accept good, whether you think you deserve it or not. And I will say that one more time. Allow yourself to accept good, whether you think you deserve it or not. So here is an exercise as we finish this episode, um, talking about deservability 
some questions for you that you can answer. So they might help you better understand the power of deservability, the power of um, accepting and allowing yourself to to receive and to have things. Um, So question number one, actually, I'm going to take a sip of tea. This is like, this is like some suspense, deservability exercise. Question one, sip of tea. Okay. What do you want that you are not having? What do you want deep down that you are not having? And actually this makes me think of something else. Um, Peak performance coach, Hina Khan, my coach, she was on, she had the first episode of this year. She recommends writing out a list of 50 things that you want that money can buy, which really forces you to like go beyond like, you know, the new Roomba and coffee maker and leggings that you might want. And it really makes you think to, if anything were possible, what, what do I want? So you can do a 50 wants list, but question number one is what do you want that you're not having? Like, what do you not have? And what do you want? And and it doesn't it doesn't have to be something that money can buy. This can be things that you want in your life that perhaps you cannot purchase. So be very clear, be specific about it. And this brings us to question number two, which is what were the laws or what were the rules in your home about deserving? So were there certain things that people told you uh, as you were growing up that you don't deserve uh, or you deserve something like, uh, you know, a smack in the butt if you didn't do something well or if you didn't listen? Um, When you grew up, did your parents feel deserving? These are some deep questions, my friend. Did you always have to earn in order to deserve? did you feel like you had to earn it in order to receive something? And this can really bring us back to some of the hustle mentality and uh, grind culture that is very, very um, relevant right now, especially in talking about burnout, something that I had to manage and, and work through. And so do you feel like you have to earn something? You have to work really, really, really hard in order to receive. So for instance, in order to make more money, you have to work more, work harder in order to deserve a bigger bank balance. Um, And did earning work for you? Final question here, were things taken away from you when you did something wrong? Oh, So that's question number two. And those are the sub questions. What were the laws and rules in your home about deserving? And um, I mean, I, I think you could spend a lot of time there. I think you can really, really just hone in and focus on that and feel those feelings and write those out. Um, the last thing I'm gonna end on today as we talk about self-love, as we talk about our self-esteem, as we talk about 
these tools for accepting ourselves and being our true selves. Um, this is um, from uh, the book, Love Yourself, Heal Your Life by Louise Hayes. We're going to end on this final blurb and she calls it a deservability treatment. And you can come back to this and you can listen to this, repeat it as often as you need. Maybe listen while looking in the mirror at yourself or repeating it to yourself or writing it out and then reading it out. Um, So this is from the book. I am deserving. I deserve all good. Not some, not a little bit, but all good. I now move past all negative restricting thoughts. I release and let go of the limitations of my parents. I love them and I go beyond them. I am not their negative opinions nor their limiting beliefs. I am not bound by any of the fears or prejudices of the current society I live in. I no longer identify with limitation of any kind. In my mind, I have total freedom. I now move into a new space of consciousness where I am willing to see myself differently. I am willing to create new thoughts about myself and about my life. My new thinking becomes new experiences. I now know and affirm that I am at one with prospering power of the universe. As such, I now prosper in a number of ways. The totality of possibilities lies before me. I deserve life, a good life. I deserve love, an abundance of love. I deserve good health. I deserve to live comfortably and to prosper. I deserve joy and happiness. I deserve freedom to be all that I can be. I deserve more than that. I deserve all good. The universe is more than willing to manifest my new beliefs, and I accept this abundant life with joy, pleasure, and gratitude, for I am deserving. I accept it. I know it to be true. Take a deep breath, my friend. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the Juggle is Real podcast. If you know someone who could boost their self-esteem a little, add to that self-love and be true to themselves, I invite you to share this with them. And if you like this episode, can you please rate it? Write me a quick review. It means the world to me and it helps us in sharing this information with so many more people. So from that, I send my love to you. And I can't wait to see you here for another episode. Take good care.